Today's readings are Jeremiah 17, 5 through 10, and 1 Corinthians 10, 11 through 14. They can be found on pages 714 and 1058 of the Bibles next to your seats, as well as on the screen. This is God's word. This is what the Lord says. Cursed are those who trust in mortals, who depend on flesh for their strength, and whose hearts turn away from the Lord. They will be like a bush in the wastelands. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in the parched places of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward everyone according to their conduct, according to what their deeds deserve. And 1 Corinthians. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of the ages has come. So if you think you are standing firm, Be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to us all. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. The word of the Lord. Will you please pray with me? God, we come to you right now about to look into your word more deeply and to study the things that you have to say to us. And we all come from different places, different things that we think about you and believe about you. And you promise to to meet us where we're at, that wherever we are, it's okay. It's not too far or too dark of a place for you to reach us. And I just pray that You would use these words from your scripture to to speak to our hearts wherever we need to hear them and that you would be honored in this time together. Amen. I almost hate to follow Andrea up. That was, I mean, we can almost just go home. (laughs) Um, In what some might consider the greatest cinematic sequel of all time, Karate Kid Part 2, Mr. Miyagi and Daniel travel to Mr. Miyagi's homeland and they risk their lives repelling down this rocky cliff near the ocean to retrieve this very rare, very sacred bonsai tree that I was somehow able to find on the internet for like 10, 20 bucks. And they dig it up and they bring it back to Mr. Miyagi's place 
And then at a later time in the, in the movie, the bad guys show up and they just tear apart Mr. Miyagi's house. And they, during the raid, the bonsai tree is seemingly destroyed. The, the trunk is ripped in half. It's thrown on the floor. All the soil spills out. And it just seems like it's destroyed. And then there's another scene later on in the movie <clears throat> where Daniel notices that the tree is starting to recover because Vishyagi had calmly picked it up. He taped the trunk back together, re-put it in soil, and, and started feeding it and nourishing it. And then, in true Miyagi wisdom, he says to Daniel, it is because tree have strong root, just like Daniel's son. I mean, isn't that beautiful? Like, you can't write that stuff. <clears throat> Someone did. <laughs> this metaphor that compares trees and people and our situation, it, it's used all the time. You notice here in the, the passage that we read um, from Jeremiah, Jeremiah is delivering a message from God to his people. God had promised his people that he would be the one to take care of them, to deliver them, to provide for them, to give them life. He'd, they were all once slaves in Egypt. He came to them, he rescued them, from their enemies, he took them through the wilderness, and while they're in the wilderness, he provided them with food, bread, and water. And then, when they, he gave them this land that he had promised to them way back at the beginning, he defeated all their enemies to give it to, to them. And now, what's happening is there's these uh, social powers, these political powers in the area that are rising up, and they're either destroying the other people they're conquering or forcing them to participate in their societal practices. And so God's people are worried that they're going to be destroyed. And so what they start doing is they start forming these alliances with these political powers, uh, which might sound like not such a bad thing, right? Because even in the Bible it says, you know, love your neighbor, be, be kind to them. But what was happening was, even after all that God had done for them, even though they'd seen all these promises that God said, I will do this for you, I'll be the one that takes care of all these issues, they turn their reliance on these political powers, and not only them, but their, but their gods and their pagan practices. If you look up in chapter 17, if you have your Bibles open, at verse 1 and 2, it says, Judah's sin is engraved with an iron tool, inscribed with a flint point on the tablets of their hearts, and on the horns of their altars. Even their children remember their altars and Asherah poles beside the spreading trees on the high hills. Where it says there that the Asherah poles, Asherah was a goddess common in that time, and it was she was represented by usually this wooden post, and there was carvings on it, and people would pray to this this idol, this post, for protection, for uh, fertility of the land, and also for the community, and that was the reliance. And so part of this alliance that the people of God had involved them turning their faith from God, who had just proven himself through all these situations and even starting to pray to things like these astropoles for their trust. That's what they started to put their faith in. A.W. Tozer says this, The most important thing about a person is what comes into their mind when they think about God. I'm betting most of you have heard at least someone at some point say, I just don't see how someone can believe in God. Like, they do all these things that says they believe in God, but I'm just not a person of faith. The truth is, everybody is a person of faith. Everybody has faith in one thing or another. If you 
Go outside and you look at creation. You look at the trees, the leaves, the animals. You interact with people. You see personality. You look up at how enormous the universe is, all the things that happen, and you come away from that and you say, it just happened. It was just this thing that happened. There's no creator. There's no God behind this. Well, that takes faith to believe that. I would say it takes more faith to believe there's no God behind all of this than it does to say, I'm a person who believes there's a God behind all this. Tim Keller, he's a, an author and a pastor that we, we usually copy a lot of his stuff because he's just good. He says, every expression of doubt is an assertion of faith. Every time you say, I don't believe in that or I doubt that, there's something else that you're relying on for that same thing. Um, the difference is where we put our faith. It makes a difference in our life. If you don't believe in God and you don't believe that when you die that there's something else, that this is all there is, that faith that you have in that situation is going to affect how you live every day of your life. If you don't believe in that there's a God out there and you want to be happy, maybe you'll put your faith in something like cars, houses, vacations. If you don't believe there's a God and you want to feel valued, maybe you'll go out there and you'll try and get another relationship or you just think this one, this next relationship will be the one that makes you feel worthwhile and valued or you'll go out and you'll try and get 5,000 friends on Facebook. I feel like I'm always bashing Facebook when I preach and I'm pretty, pretty okay with that. But, um, but if maybe you want to feel safe and if you don't believe there's a God, you put your faith in having enough money in your bank account and that will finally make you feel safe. We think it sounds crazy to hear of people praying to a wooden post that they've made for protection and for safety and for rain. But how much is it any crazier for us to think that a little green printed piece of paper is going to get rid of all of our worries? Something that we've created ourselves? The Bible is very clear. Putting our faith in these different things, even if it's people and relationships and, and doing good things, they're always, they're a sure way to feel thirsty, to feel broken, to become withered, parched, and to even feel dead inside. If you take the metaphor of the dried up bush in the wasteland or the desert, and you take the tree that is healthy and strong alongside the river, it doesn't really make a difference what type of tree or bush it is. You take this healthy, strong tree away from the river, you put it in the middle of the desert where there's no rain, it's really hot, the tree's going to die. It doesn't matter how strong the roots are, how big it is, no matter what it is, it's going to die. And it's the same thing with people. We might think we have it all together. We have all these abilities. We've got these great connections. We can take care of all of our issues. But if we don't have our ultimate faith in God and our roots aren't in Him for our trust and our in this life-giving substance, we're going to end up with this feeling of deadness inside. We're going to be drying up and just seeking and seeking for these things that are never going to satisfy. Uh, look in ver- at verse 6. It says, They will be like a bush in the wasteland. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in the parched places of the desert. <clears throat> they will not see prosperity when it comes. Even in the desert, it rains sometimes. But if you're this withered up, dry, brittle, sickly bush, even when the rains finally do come, you're not, it's not going to be working properly. You're not going to get the full benefits of these little showers and these little blessings that come into your life. And at the same, 
in the opposite way, if you look at verse 8, uh, starting at verse 7, Blessed are those who trust in the Lord, whose confidence is in Him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream, and its leaves are always green. It has no worries in the year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. The same, the same tree that's by this, this stream, there's going to be years of drought. There's going to be times when heat comes through, when there's these problems all around the area come. But because the tree has its roots and its source in this life-giving stream, there's a chance it might not even notice. I mean, it'll feel the heat, it'll feel the drought, but it has its life source right there, and it'll be the green tree in the midst of all this other dryness. Katie and I try and go back to Michigan at least once a year. And if you get past the Sierras, you kind of realize there's a lot of land and space that's just kind of drab and, and brown and gray. But if you, if you look out the window, you see this, this dry land. And then through the land, you'll see these little green veins that kind of make their way. Even though all the, the land around it is dry and brown, there's these, just these little lines of green. And you know what it is? It's... You know, it's those rivers. And along these rivers, there's all this life that's taking place, even though all around it, it might be too dry for other things to survive and to live. But those trees and those grass and the flowers and everything that's right along those rivers, they're doing just fine. I mean, something that you can see from thousands of feet in the air is still doing just fine. The year of drought will come, and even to the tree that's near the stream. But because it has its source in the river... It'll probably do just fine. Mr. Miyagi claimed that it was because of these strong roots that the tree was able to make it. Um, Well, Hollywood's full of it. It had little or nothing to do with the roots of the tree. If he would have just left it there laying on the floor, laying out of its pot, split open, with no no soil, no source of water, it doesn't matter how strong of a roots the tree had, it was never going to make it. It was never going to survive. It needed someone to heal it, to put it back together, to put it back in its soil, to feed it, to give it nourishment in order to make it. So how does this happen in our lives? What is it? You get to that point where you've tried everything else. You know, you've sought everything else to find your happiness, your safety, whatever it is you're looking for, and it's just not cutting it. Um, You've done everything to be happy, to feel good about yourself, to protect yourself, everything like that. And finally, you realize that we're all just broken little trees that have been spilled out on the floor. And we need someone to put us back together, to put us into a place where we can receive water, where we can receive nourishment, and we can be brought back to health. And the tree can't do that by themselves. And at the same way, we realize that we need to change our hearts. It's our heart that needs to be changed in us. So how do we go about changing our hearts? Well, there's good news and bad news. I think you always start with the bad news, so that's what we'll do. Uh, If you look at verse 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward everyone according to their conduct, according to what they deserve. Because of the mess we're in, we automatically, our hearts are deceitful. They trick us into thinking, that's what you want. That's what you need. That's going to be the thing that finally gets you everything you've been looking for in life. And it's our own hearts. Like We trick ourselves into thinking we're going to be happy if we just, whatever it is. 
Um, and even though we might know what's right, we'll still choose those other things. In the New Testament, Paul says this, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. Paul, who most people agree is second only to Jesus and how influential and how influential he was towards the Christian faith and developing it and teachings. Even he admits that he is so messed up that he can't get himself together enough to choose the things that he knows himself are right. Can anyone here relate to that? I mean, we're more of a mess than we can even understand. It's bad news indeed. But I said there was good news. So if you look down to verse 14... This is what uh, Jeremiah says. Uh, and you, in the original language, it's kind of like he's crying out. He says, Heal me, Lord, and I will be healed. Save me, and I will be saved, for you are the one that I praise. Jeremiah tells us that, that God offers to heal your heart if you just only have faith and believe that he will do it. The bad news is we can't heal our own heart. The great news is God says, Hey, I'll take care of it. Like I'll heal your heart. I'll move you. I'll put your roots where they need to be. There's another story in the New Testament of Jesus specifically using a similar metaphor about thirsting in water. It's in John chapter 4. And he, he meets this woman at a well. And this is um, the conversation that comes. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews did not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his flocks and herds? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but those who drink the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will be, become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. <clears throat> Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said, what you have just said is quite true. This woman had five husbands. Whatever she was looking for and searching for in her life, it surely wasn't being fulfilled in her relationships. She kept going back to this well time and time again looking to find this fulfillment And then she would always go away and be thirsty again. It's almost like Jesus said, are you sick of coming back to these relationships over and over looking for some kind of satisfaction and always being unfilled and wanting more? Are you tired of working to make enough money to feel safe? Are you tired of trying to be a nice enough person so that you feel good about yourself? Are you tired of trying to make yourself beautiful on the outside because you feel so ugly on the inside? Are you tired of your world falling apart every time you give your heart to someone because you realize that they're not perfect? Are you tired of feeling like you have no identity 
because the skills, the abilities, the work, the relationship that once defined you is now gone or it's slipping away. I think God says he's tired of those things too. I think he says, I want you to find your true safety in me, not in your bank account. I want you to feel good enough because I love you, not because of anything you have or haven't done. I want you to feel attractive because of the because of the work that I'm doing in you and who I'm making you to become on the inside. I want you to be okay when someone else breaks your heart because they aren't perfect, because you know that I'm perfect. I want you to find your identity in me and not someone else, and not the things that you're able to do. God essentially says he wants you to be exactly who you were designed to be. What, what makes an apple tree an apple tree? It's, it's not supposed to be a trick question. Apples. And if an apple tree doesn't produce apples, is it really an apple tree? I mean, it, I guess maybe technically it still could be, but it's not fulfilling its purpose that it was designed to be. In the same way that producing apples is what makes an apple tree an apple tree, you are each designed in the image of God to be in relationship with him, to find your true identity in him, and to put your faith in him for all of your needs, all the things that you're looking for to satisfy yourself. And if your faith and your roots aren't fully tapped into God, then you're not being who you can who you were designed to be, and you'll never find fulfillment and satisfaction in those other things where your roots go. You might think that you don't need God, that you're strong enough to take care of all these issues on your own, and you'll just suck it up, and people who need God are weak, and you have the things that you need to make you happy, to make you safe, to make you valued, to make you proud of yourself, whatever it is. But I believe, if you're honest with yourself, Eventually you'll come back and, and you can just realize how broken and empty those things eventually make you feel and how you have to keep going back and keep seeking things out. This is the first uh, Sunday in the season of Lent. And um, in a lot of Christian traditions, they do things like abstaining from different things. Maybe you're doing this yourself or you know someone. And in a way this discipline or this practice is kind of a way of loosening your roots on those things that maybe you started to put your faith in or that you started to rely on for certain joys, happiness, safety, security, whatever it might be. Um, there's a table. There used to be a table. There's, on the information table, there's a bunch of information and prayers and practices about Lent and different things that you can kind of Explore to loosen your roots in those things that you've maybe started to rely on in place of God and that are leaving you hungry and thirsty. Um, I'd encourage you to, to take a look at that stuff, to see what's there. Maybe you've never allowed yourself to explore the story of the cross of Jesus. In this time of Lent, dabble with it. See what it means that Jesus went to the cross so that you can be reunited with this source of living water, this thirst-quenching God who wants to be in relationship with you, that wants to take care of all your worries, all your safety. Ask yourself, what would, it, what would it mean if there really is a God who is who he says he is, who wants to change your heart, who wants to provide you 
with the peace in your life that you've gone to all these different places looking for. I promise if you just allow that story and that reality of that gospel of Jesus to kind of sink into your life, you'll start to experience God quenching thirsts that you've, been, that you've always had and never been able to take care of. You'll start to experience a God who will put this peace in your life that you haven't been able to find anywhere else. And you'll begin to ex- experience Him quenching those thirsts. Will you please pray with me? God, thank you for being a God who who loves us and who we can come to and confess that we've turned our backs on you so many times, that we've tried to do things on our own that you openly offer to take care of for us. God, we've, we've sought out so many different ways to be happy, so many different ways to feel valued, so many different ways to feel safe, to feel protected, and you offer those all all those things to us freely. We pray that you would change our hearts in the way that only you can, in the way that we are powerless to to attempt. Um, help the, the message and the gospel of Jesus Christ to come into our lives, to, to start affecting the things that we put our faith in, to start, to start changing.